0: Tyler Stewart, I'm the president of Bike Bridge Cycling Association. Thanks a lot for coming tonight. Um, we're here to talk a little bit about one of our big projects for this summer, which is with BikeMaps.org. So, Bike Bridge is um, Lethbridge's cycling advocacy group. So, we're focused on making cycling safer so that more people get out and cycle uh, in our city. Uh, and we try to do that in a variety of ways through lobbying the city on things like the cycling master plan. We do lots of other kind of social uh, events and things like that. Uh, but we're also super excited this summer to be working with Um Essentially, this is a citizen science project, uh, which I'll let Karen tell you a lot more about. But the, the focus is on getting cyclists to report information that we can then use. Again, back to our kind of mission to make cycling safer here uh, in Lethbridge. So thanks very much. Uh, to Annalise and to SACPA for uh, having us or hosting this session tonight. It's great to have uh, more public dialogue on this kind of stuff. So we'll have the presentation from uh, Karen, and then we'll have some questions and chit chat afterwards. So thanks again for coming.
1: Thanks, Tyler. Uh, it's my pleasure to be here. Um, as I was saying a few minutes ago, I'm starting to figure out Lethbridge. This is good. I've learned my way around. Um, so. may be wondering what the public health agency of canada has to do with something called bikemaps.org well um i'm here to tell you about that so we're basically facing a public health crisis and that's the costs of inactivity are mounting all the time it's the fourth leading cause of death globally um in canada we spend close to seven billion dollars a year annually on health care-related costs to inactivity. Um, And as we probably know, it's responsible for a large portion of heart disease, diabetes, and certain cancers. So, this is why the Public Health Agency of Canada takes an interest in promoting biking. Because um, active transportation is going to save the day, (laughs) or we hope so. Um, We know with active transportation, it increases physical activity, Um, It reduces weight, and we know that the countries with the highest levels of walking and cycling have the lowest obesity rates. And active transportation has been found to be more sustainable than other programs like joining a gym or a structured activity uh, program with the same benefits. So people just, you know, tend to, if they start to incorporate active transportation into their lives, they tend to follow through and keep the commitment and they get the same benefit as if they were to join in some sort of an exercise group. Um, and a recent study that just came out in the spring that you may have come across because it was it was pretty shocking, the numbers, but it was out of the UK and they did a large study and they found that regular cycling cut the risk of death by 41%. So um, yeah, I'll leave you to go look at the article, but uh, yeah, so a lot of good news there. Cycling's going to save the day but is cycling safe we all know that you know people can get can get hurt biking and it is a little riskier than being in a car um so you're more likely to be injured per trip while while riding a bike than riding in a car however um this this number they they enumerated or they figured this uh risk to benefit uh reward or risk-to-benefit calculation some time ago, but the British Medical Association calculated that the health benefits to the risk were 20 to one. So the benefits clearly outweigh the risk when it comes to to cycling. And also, as more people bike, your risk of getting injured actually drops, and it's, it's a safety in numbers effect. So, you know, places like the Netherlands and Denmark have very low injury rates per cycling, and and also s- places in North America where they've seen their um, cycling numbers increase they've found that the injury rates have also dropped so there is this so so more people biking is a really tremendous way to improve safety for biking and then finally um, there's the fun factor we all know this if we or anyone who bikes knows this it's just a far more enjoyable way to get from A to B right and it's obviously got some 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 great um, impacts on mental health you just feel so much better when you ride your bike to go somewhere than when you're stuck in your car so um, you know i think the, the benefits far outweigh the risks um, and some of this data here that if if you're ever looking for this kind of these kind of numbers a great resource is the uh, cycling in cities website and that's out of UBC so it's cyclingincities.spph.ubc.ca And that's out of uh, Kate Teschke's group out of UBC, and and Dr. Megan Winters is affiliated with that, and she's out of SFU. So, how do cities make cycling safer? Well, in order to plan, um, you know, safer routes, they need data. They need safety data, and they need ridership data. But um, unfortunately, or cycling data are quite limited. So it's estimated that of all cycling crashes, um, only 30% involving a motor vehicle are actually captured by you know, police or insurance reports. So that's a whole lot that aren't being um, reported. As well, there's a lot of places, there's no centralized or near, and there's no near-miss reporting system. There was no mechanism to collect data on bikes and bikes uh, collisions or bikes and pedestrians, and these are important places that rely on multi-use trails a lot. And especially as more people cycle, they get they tend to get quite busy the multi-use trails. And then you do start to have conflicts with bikes and other bikes. You know, a slow bike versus a fast bike, or bikes and pedestrians. Or even in Victoria, we have um, animals and bike. We have so many deer in Victoria that actually we have. Deer and bike collisions reported on bike maps. Um, so, the other type of data that is quite limited is ridership, or there's, and so part of the problem is it depend, depends on how you're collecting your ridership data. So, um, for example, in, in Victoria, we have the CRD, which is the Capital Regional District, and they've run a volunteer bike count program for the last number of years. And so what it is is they get all these volunteers to give up their time and they, they count bikes in the spring and then again in the fall for three days, morning and afternoon rush. And so you get this very nice spatial extent. You get you know, all parts of the CRD are covered, um, but then you don't get, you don't get counting happening you know, in the middle of the day or in the winter or later that evening. So you get some good spatial extent but not very good temporal extent. And then other municipalities will use uh, things like an eco counter. You may have seen one in uh, Calgary. They have the really fancy ones. They're like these big totems, and they've got the electronic sign, and it tells you how many bikes ride past. And those are great. Like they're constantly counting, but they're only in one spot, right? So you can also get little tubes and, and count bikes that way. Um, so there is some, there are some challenges with getting good ridership data. Um, there's also Strava as well, but uh, that costs money and it tends to be, you know, it, it's in some places it's representational um, of where people like to ride, but then as you get further outside the city, it tends to be more focused on recreational or, uh, pe- you know, uh, people road biking. So cities really need data to plan their upgrades properly. And so one way to fill in the missing data is to turn to citizen science to do this. And if you go on the web and look for citizen science projects, you'll probably find hundreds, if not thousands. Um, A lot of these tend to be things like, you know, in the biological realm, like counting butterflies or counting birds. And, you know, there's a lot of advances that have been made in the citizen science realm, and it's this whole subject of its own. Um, and so, one part of it is this volunteer geographic information, where basically you're, you know, supplying information on a map, um, and it's it's essentially a, a form of crowdsourcing, if you will. So, in response to to understanding that there was a real need for cycling data, um, a couple of years ago in two thousand and fourteen. Um, Dr. Trisla Nelson, who ran the Spatial Pattern Analysis and Research Lab out of the Geography Department at UVic, uh, decided you know, we needed to make bikemaps.org to, you know, to turn to volunteer geographic information to collect some of this missing data. And uh, we had a student, Taylor and he made the website. Uh, he was a computer science and geography student. Um, and in October 2014, we launched BikeMaps.org. And I should back up here and tell you that the idea for our bike maps actually, and this is probably how most ideas come about, right? Just something happens. And, and um, so the idea for BikeMaps actually came because Trislyn was always, you know, she biked everywhere, and, and she had one of those frustrating near misses, and she thought kind of as a joke, oh. I'm going to make a map and people can just rant on this map and, you know, and, and it was going to be kind of a maybe more of a fun, fun thing. But then as she started to scratch the surface a little bit and talk to people who studied cycling safety, she found out all those things I, you know, presented on the previous slide, and that was that this data is really lacking. And so in talking to researchers who had spent a lot of time um, looking at cycling safety, um, such as KTekey out of UBC, she was encouraged, no no, you have to do this. this is we really need this information. And so that's that's the real story behind bike maps. So on bikemaps.org um, we rely on crowdsourced data to fill in the missing cycling data that's that we're we're, we're not getting. Um, so people can report crashes, you can report falls, um, you can report collisions with non-motor vehicles such as, Other bikes or pedestrians, or even you know, dogs. Um, And since we were making this platform, we decided, well, people should be able to report hazards and thefts as well. So we put those on as well. So, um, in the early days, our funding came from an NCERC Engage grant, and it was sponsored by the CAA, which might seem like an unlikely partner, but CAA actually has. they have a bike assist program and they also have a mandate to um, help their members you know, um, with biking and, and making biking more accessible. So it actually was a pretty good fit. Um, we had funding from um, the MyTax uh, funding agency as well, which is kind of an, an offshoot of NSERC. Um, we got some local government grants including the Capital Regional District out of um, Victoria and then in our in Metro Vancouver, um, Dr. Megan Winters, who was working with us, she got a grant from the Bullet Foundation. So we kind of cobbled together some grants in the early days to kind of get the project up off the ground and to get things running. And you know, it's pretty standard with university research. Um, one of the people that Trisland had approached in 2014 was the Traffic Injury Research Foundation, and they're a group out of Ottawa, and um, you know, she was looking for different partners, different funding, and they said, Oh, you know, the Public Health Agency of Canada has put out this request for proposals. Um, and so they, so we put together uh, an application with TERC, which is the Trafficking Injury Research Foundation. But we didn't hear anything until quite some time, you know, the, I think there was, an elect- there was a federal election in there. So it took quite a long time. So then in January of 2016, we were awarded a grant um, from the Public Health Agency of Canada, and that's part of the reason we're here today, um, because part of this grant was to bring bikemaps.org to different Canadian cities to help Canadians um, make their environment safer for cycling and to encourage them to cycle more. So in the first year of the study, which was last year, we went into Edmonton and in Ottawa and did promotion there, and um, we used Kelowna as a control, so we didn't do any promotion of bikemaps.org there. And then we found um, it was easy to promote uh, bike maps in Ottawa because turf was out of Ottawa and so people were there. But we were, had some challenges in Edmonton because we were kind of coming in through the top down. We didn't have as many people on the. We didn't come in through the cycling coalitions in Edmonton, so. It, it was a bit of a struggle, so we decided, you know, last year we thought, you know what, for our new cities for this year, we really want to come to the cities that people want us there. And so one of the cities that applied to have us come was Lethbridge and Bikebridge, and so it's been a really great fit. Um, and so this year we've expanded the program to Lethbridge, Guelph, and St. John's, Newfoundland. And so if you haven't been on the... Um, the website before. This is a a zoomed out snapshot of it, um, or screenshot of it. And as you can see, um, you can map anywhere in the world, and people are mapping all over the world. Um, If you are interested in all the uh, tech stuff, I would refer you to our first paper um, in Frontiers in Public Health, uh, Nelson et al. 2015, um, They'll do a, it, it'll do a far better job than I will of explaining all the, the uh, back-end uh, computer stuff. Um, and then this is where we're at with Lethbridge right now. So we have about 45 different reports. Um, so you can see there's different types of reports. Uh, there's collisions, near-misses, hazards, and thefts. The thefts, yeah, no, no, not deaths, no, 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 um, yeah, you get th- that, that's a good question for, for after though, um, so, and then if you zoom in, you can see um, some of the details of, of another person's report, so this one's a near miss, and it's, pickup truck saw me crossing 6th Avenue southbound, had plenty of room to cross before he would reach the intersection, deliberately sp- sped up and revved his engine, making me have to rush across the lane before he reached me. So, it's not uh, not the nicest. (laughs) Um, So if you do want to, uh, if you do have something to report on bike maps, um, what you would do is click on the um, teardrop pin shape over here on the left side and you activate it and then drop it down on the location where you had the incident. And then this will prompt a menu to come up and then you will pick um, what kind of report it is. And then you provide some details. So we don't we don't um, we don't ask anything that identifies you. Um, and the reason we've chosen to go the anonymous route is it's just it, it's less stringent for our ethics um, requirements. We don't need to know who you are. Um, we do collect a little bit of demographic data, like we get your age and your and your gender. Um, what I would encourage you to do though is to put as much information in here as possible because. The data that that the people who bike are supplying us with is really quite quite unique and it's quite rich and and it's it's so valuable you know like this some places there, we just don't have this kind of data so if you do go on there to report please take the time to fill in as much of it as you can especially the a description of what it was that that actually happened because this is this is this is where the gold is with this project so another um, interesting technological uh, feature on our on our uh, website is the visualization page and this is something that Taylor did before he uh, before he graduated and um, so what it allows you to do is to filter by different types of reports for an area Um, there's not quite enough um, reports in in Lethbridge yet to um, so that's why I've used Edmonton for this but you can actually um, you can look at a different Specific point in the year and see how that changes the number of reports. You can just look at near misses or you can look at near misses and collisions. So you can play around on that and it it filters by types of reports or else time of year or both. Um, In addition to the website, we have mobile apps and these were developed by our master's student Darren Boss through a MyTax grant. And um, he did these about two years ago. So he's getting ready to upgrade them again, um, hopefully by the end of the summer he'll work on that. It takes It's actually quite a lot of, of work to upgrade an app, um, so he's hoping to get that done later this summer. So, you know, the website you can kind of upgrade all the time, but the app you have to kind of do the whole thing at once. Um, another feature that we um, offer through the website is the ability to create a riding area. Now um, I did mention on the previous screen that you know we everything's anonymous. Um, to do the writing area, you do have to create an account with us. Um, so once you've created an account, then um, it'll allow you to uh, delineate a polygon so you'll see a little polygon shape on the left hand side. And what you do is you just click and draw the area that you're interested in. So, you know, It could be the entire city of Lethbridge, or it could be just where you tend to ride. Um, public works departments can use this to keep track, uh, or, or planning departments or engineering departments. Um, anyone can keep track of what's happening in that area. And so what it will do is um, when somebody reports something within that geographic area, you will get a notification um, on the website under the orange bell over on the right-hand side. Um, I should mention too that even if you're logged in through your account that you've created with us, and then you te- you go and report an incident, there's no mechanism to attach um, your name to the the report. So even if you're still logged in and you go and report uh, an incident, I won't know that it's or no one will know that it's yours. There's no there's no overlap. Um, if you have the app. Um, and you have a riding area and something gets reported, you'll receive a push notification. And so that's what it looks like when you get that notification. So in order for this project to be successful in in areas, um, citizen science needs promotion, right? Like, otherwise people don't know about it, so they don't know enough to, you know, go on the website and, and report their incident. So we've become experts at outreach, <laughs> in addition to geography and other things. Um, so one of the best ways, especially for middle, you know, mid-sized cities like Victoria and Lethbridge, is to get, you know, what it's referred to as earned media, or like somebody to write an article about you in the newspaper. It's, it's great. So, so we always like to to get in newspapers. That seems to really. Uh, Reach people that we wouldn't other uh, normally reach. Oops. And the other thing that we started to do um, early on, when we kind of thought, okay, how do we how do we drum up some some um, excitement around the project? Um, we started doing some guerrilla marketing. So the first thing that we did was uh, we called it the message in the bottle campaign. And so what we did was we had water bottles with little uh, cards in them, and we went around to bike racks and just put water bottles in them. And so when people came back, they found a you know a free water bottle with a little note inside telling them about the pro you know, briefly telling them about the project and and you know referring them to the website. Um, and then that kind of morphed into a cell cover blitz and this is a picture of uh, Dr. Megan Winters over at SFU. And this is kind of a, a Europe this is a, a common sort of European uh, advertising Campaign, you know, they, they 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 tend to do this. I, I we had a postdoc in our lab, and he said, "Oh, every time I'd come back to my bike, there'd be a bank seat cover or something else on there." So, so we decided to to take that idea and run with it. So we've done that in a few places too. Um, outreach events are are great. Um, in BC, we have Bike to Work Week, and and they, they tend to have what's called celebration stations. So there's stations set up morning and evening in the larger locations such as Vancouver and Victoria. Um, and it's a place where um, cyclists can go get free food, free drink, and then we'll give them bike map swag and talk to them about the project. So it's, it's a really great way to, to get the word out to people who are riding their bikes. And then we've also done um, some partner pop-ups events. And so these are just, you know, so on the left-hand side, is in Ottawa, and uh, Safer Roads, Ottawa. Um, They had like a trail safety event, and so we attended with them. And on the right side, the Saanich Police wanted to have, and they've done a few of these now with us, Um, Saanich Police, along with CRD Parks, who are responsible for the trails in the Greater Victoria region, um, we just had a, a little station to talk to people who are using multi-use trails and just, you know, reminding pedestrians to to be aware of bikes and reminding bikes to, to go by pedestrians slowly, that kind of thing. And it's a good opportunity to talk to people and let them know about the project as well. And then finally, um, bike valets are a good way to reach people. So this is one that I did last summer up in Edmonton at the Heritage Festival. And then... This weekend, we're going to be promoting bike maps at the Dragon Boat Festival. So hopefully we reach some new folks there. Another thing that uh, has worked well is is, uh, giving presentations. And um, when we had our first birthday, we went to Victoria City Hall. We had cupcakes and then uh, Trislin gave a a presentation about, you know, the first year's worth of data. So that's another thing that I want to stress, too, that we try to report back as much as possible to to the people who are supplying the data so that they don't just feel like it's just going off into the abyss, that there's actually something being done with the data, just so they don't feel like they're wasting their time. And then social media has been um, a really great avenue for us as well. and it, and, it, and it's been really interesting to see where things have popped up you know so this tweet up here we bike friendly well we is Windsor Essex and we don't you know we get all this we get all these this mapping in Windsor and and we've never really done much to cultivate it it just sort of happens um, and, and it's and in the in the first year we had a whole bunch of these sort of organic little um Parts, especially in the U.S., were these little these places where people were really mapping and and, and sharing data with each other on bike maps. Um, so, so our Twitter following has been a really great place, and I think it's just a really good um, place. If somebody, you know, is venting on there about a frustrating incident, well, it's it's a good opportunity to say, okay, that's you know, like I'm glad you're you're safe you know, you can also report it on Bike Map, So that's what we've tended to do that a little bit. Um, and then internationally, we've kind of got this, well, so Trislin, who founded BikeMaps.org, has moved on from University of Victoria to Arizona State University. She moved down last summer. And so we'll have a much greater presence now in the U.S., uh, particularly in Arizona, um, and then just as different cities in the U.S. start to take it up. Um, we had a group out of, London in the UK who were looking at cycling incidents and wanted to use uh, bike maps to collect data, uh, to collect the spatial data, and we said, yeah, sure, that's great. So they've been um, encouraging their research participants to use bike maps and then anyone else who they come across as well. And then uh, we've had a group in Iceland who promoted us last year, and they collected, uh, you know, a lot of data on, on bike maps, and they They were able to use it to uh, make a report for the city and to identify um, some of the issues that were facing cyclists in Reykjavik, Um, and then we translated, or they translated the site, and then we put it up, well, we created the site, and they had it translated. So if you go to bikemaps.org slash IS, you can see the whole site in Icelandic, so... um, and so we do try to monitor how well things are working. So this is one of the things that um, Colin Furster, who is our postdoc, um, has been doing. And so what we'll do is after we have... And he's done... So he did this last year for um, Victoria, Edmonton, and Ottawa, and then Kelowna as the control, just to see, you know, when we do different uh, efforts, what you know, what's the impact? How many people visit the website? How many people... Report um, on the onbikemaps.org, and so you can see um, he's you know so the, the colored lines are different events that have happened um, through the summer, and then the uh, the lines are, are when the data is submitted. And sometimes it's just you know it it, it it's really quite surprising what what resonates with people and and uh, gets them to start mapping. Um, and so, what we found is that when we promote directly to cyclists, like say a bike to work week um, or a valet situation, we do get more data on the website. Um, and then more of a general audience will, you know, we'll see. And, and this is again, we were talking about this before we started the session tonight. And this is using Google Analytics, so you can pretty much tell, you know, where people are coming from, and 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 they they you know they kind of. Discern their their um, their age and their gender based on their viewing habits, um, and so interestingly, we had um, MEC last April, uh, so April 2016, put out a Facebook post about us, and we had you know hits all over the country from it. It was really quite amazing, and and so that really seemed to resonate with with females, you know, like for for all of a sudden that really. Got females to, as, a, as a general group to, to go to our website. And then we find, too, like it, on places where we've had very few previous reports, the first things that kind of come in are hazards and then more submissions. And then places where there's a lot of reports already on the map, you know, places like Victoria and Vancouver, when, we've done, when we do something, well, we'll get some collisions reported and then we'll get just a lot of people viewing the website, seeing what's out there already. So when we started the project, we weren't really sure, you know, what's a reasonable amount of of data. And so um, ICBC, which is the Insurance Corporation of British Columbia that keeps track of all insurance claims for the whole province. um, So the number of reports involving bikes, um, so this would be quote-unquote official data, um, per year in the Greater Victoria Area, or the CRD, is about 120 on average. And so we've been reporting uh, since October 2014, and we've had um, 1,159 reports, and so of that, um, roughly 60% are crashes or near misses. So, you know, we we feel like we're getting a really good amount of data um, and filling in some of those gaps one of the um, things that we can do once we get a critical number of reports in a certain geographic area is to make a hotspot map and so what we'll do for that is we'll take any kind of official data we can get our hands on uh, the bike maps data and then any kind of ridership data so bike counts that we have available Um, we can put them together and so last year, last summer, the District of Saanich, which is the largest municipality in the Greater Victoria area, they were embarking upon a 30-year active transportation plan, and they they needed data. And so they said, you know, can you make us a hotspot map? And so we came up with um, 20 different hotspots around Saanich, and we were able to... Um, From a lot of them, we were able to find some ridership data. Either they had it or the CRD had it or one of our master's students was doing a study and he had some ridership data that he'd done for his thesis. So we were able to kind of just categorize the locations by high, medium, or uh, low ridership. And then this is why I was telling you that it was really important to really give us a lot of information when you make a report and to give us a detailed description. So one of the one of the really uh, beneficial things about bike maps is the um, information we get through the detailed descriptions. And so when we take all that other data, so ICBC data, police data, bike maps data, and we we sign the hotspots, now we can go to whatever um, reports are associated with that location on bikemaps.org and see what people say about it. And so you start to get a really good um, sense of what the issue is for cyclists at that location. So whereas an insurance report or a police report might say cyclist at fault, uh, vehicle at fault, you know, it doesn't really tell you too much. But some of these summaries of the hotspots that we made for Saanich will say things, uh, narrow road where bike lane ends, pinch point with motor vehicles, or conflicts with motor vehicles turning at intersection and adjacent gas station entry exit point. So this is really important information and this is something that's really valuable to the city, you know, saying that a cyclist's at fault or a driver's at fault doesn't really tell you how to fix things, right? People are going to make mistakes and its um, infrastructure's is, is there to correct or to minimize the reliance on people being well-behaved. Um, and so this is, uh, this is a, a, a good example of sometimes, you know, the hot spots are not that challenging to fix. And so this is one of the, hot, the hottest hotspots in all of Saanich. And it was a point where just a small road, you know, merged onto Highway 1 but it crossed the multi-use trail, and so it, there are a lot of incidents there. And there's really no need for that road to be an entrance to the highway. Um, it's it just a bit of a rat run for people, you know, sneaking off onto the highway. So it was pretty easy for Sanage to close that off. And I, I won't say that we'll take full credit for for it being closed off because of bike maps, but you know, when we tell them this is the hottest hotspot in Saanich, and, and, and all they had to do was put down a couple concrete barriers, it, uh, yeah, problem solved. So sometimes it's, you know, there is some some low-hanging fruit to be had, so it's important to pass this information on to um, different municipalities or governments. Um, as I mentioned, uh, one of our students, Ben Jestico, who's moved on now, he did, um a multi-use trail study with the information on bikemaps.org. And this is another area that you just wouldn't get very much information from police or insurance claims because you, um, you know, you you just don't have that, the the volume of data because it would only, and it would only be at intersections. Um, So he was able to, um, you know, highlight some hot spots. And then part of what he found too was that the areas that were the biggest concern were places um where the where the trail the the trail you know sorry where he found where there was a high volume of cyclists and a high volume of cars that's those were the locations the intersections that had the the biggest the biggest incidents and that's not terribly surprising but it is very few studies have actually been done looking at multi-use trails and and bike Um, So one thing we can do, too, is to look at the um, daily trends in an area. Um, And so you can see that, uh, curiously, the um, Wednesday seems to be the riskiest day in the CRD for riding your bike. Um, And it also follows with the ICBC data. Um, And this is surprising, too, because the ridership shows that Tuesday more people ride. So this is just this sort of weird thing that's happening. We're not quite sure what's going on. It could be that more people are driving on Wednesdays. And we can also, uh, once we get a sufficient amount of data, also look by um, hour of the day. And so this one, it shows you know, you've know, you got a peak during the morning and the evening. So the, a lot of the reason for this, and you can see this from our ridership um, volumes, is that... A lot of the people who are reporting on bikemaps.org, especially for Victoria and Vancouver, tend to be people who are biking to work. So pretty much 75% of the reports are coming from people who are using are, are cycle commuting. And um, at first you think, oh, well, so it's just being used by them. But, you know, really, they, they have quite a high exposure rate, right? So they're out there more. So it's not terribly surprising that we get a lot of our reports from them. And then we can also see, too, because one of the questions that we ask on bike maps is, um, you know, did this result in an injury? Did you go to the doctor or was a hospital visit required? So we can start to um, look at injury data, too, once we get to a certain um, number of reports for er for a specific area. Oops. So another thing that we've been looking at too is um, who's who's looking at our, our, who's going on to the website, who's it being used by, so are we reaching everyone? So as you can see we have more males in the CRD visiting the website than females Um, and in particular the 45 to 54 year olds and the 25 to 34 year old males seem to be the biggest visitors. Um, But then if we look at the, this is an origin destination survey that's done in the CRD, you can see that it kind of reflects the proportion of the population that's actually cycling. So so that makes sense. And then if we look at data points, if you ignore the 25 to 34 year old males, it it roughly fits along with that. so those 25 to 34-year-old males, um, they seem to be visiting the website more and they're mapping more incidents. So I don't know if they're having more incidents or if they're just <laughs> yeah. more likely to feel comfortable with, you know, putting it on, on, a, on a mechanism such as Or You know, they've had the internet almost their, well, not their entire life. But, you know, they've had it a lot and so they just think, oh yeah, I'm going to put it here and there's no... You know, there's no hesitation. And, you know, perhaps some of the women uh, who are going on bikemaps.org aren't telling us that they're a woman, too. So we don't know if that's happening. But uh, but generally speaking, uh, yeah, so it looks like more visits to the website by the 25 to 34-year-old males and, um, and more reports as well. And so here, um, this is work that uh, just came out actually the other day. Uh, or no, actually, sorry, this came out a little while ago. Um, but looking at where the collisions and near misses are by age. Um, so as you can see, the younger cyclists in Victoria. So this is Victoria proper down in here. And then this is the Sandwich Peninsula. So if you've ever been to Victoria, the airport's out here and the ferries up here. Um, and it's kind of rural in parts out here. And then this is, this is actual real Victoria down here. So you can see that um, you know there's a, a greater number of of reports by the younger people down in in uh, in Victoria, but if you know if you're looking at hotspots, they're kind of in this almost in the same spots. The only difference is is the um, older cyclists seem to be having a few more out on the peninsula, and that actually, if you lived in Victoria, makes sense. You see a lot of you know. Um, retired people out biking there's the multi-use trail goes all the way up there so university is where is nice the universities
0: here on the left the map is it the other hot spot
1: then no this is down here so this is this looks like it's in the Shelburne this is this uh, a really terrible road in Victoria that's going to be getting an upgrade for cycling and it's like the only it, it's the yeah, there's businesses along there and it's flat and there's nowhere else really to bike but you don't really ever want to bike along there because it's four lanes and it's busy um so i think yeah those ones are a bit along the, the shelburne corridor but sandwich is actually um putting in bike lanes and better sidewalks along there so so that should hopefully be fixed as well
2: around
1: the ferry terminal? Um, we get the odd incident mostly on the on the multi-use trail on the Lockside trail. Nothing to do with the ferry terminal. They have because there is an actual separated trail. So people tend to go right to that. Okay. And um, the, getting off the ferry, the bikes I think usually go they go first on most or or they're, they've kind of got their own little little place over to the side. So yeah. 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 So I don't I haven't noticed any specific with like the fair people, you know, leaving the ferry and, you know, gunning to get off there and running over a cyclist or anything. So it, they just tend to be more about like the trail gets a bit narrow up on that end of the peninsula and it gets a bit curvy and sometimes tree roots make it kind of bumpy. So there's been a few with respect to that. Um, so the other thing that we can look at too is the effect of weather. Um, Weather's been a difficult story to actually get a good handle on, and we really don't know yet. But we have noticed that uh, the proportion of near misses to collisions is greater when the weather's fair or sunny versus when it's snowy or wet. Um, And so perhaps this indicates that, you know, a cyclist is able to correct if the roads dry and the weather's nice. Um, you know they're able to break in time or, or you know avoid the the collision a little bit better but really this is quite speculative um, we do ask people when they report if the road was dry but what we what we do in the background is when somebody reports uh, an incident we do a web scrape and get the weather and attribute it in the background so we have that information but we still it's we've tried to look at it to sort of figure out okay what are the trends right are there and it's, it's, it's been. Just more people out on a sunny day. Yeah, no, it'd be the actual proportion of, okay. of reports, how they. Yeah. Um, so, one of the things that we can produce once uh, we've done a few of these hotspot maps is we can make them kind of a bit more infographic style. And we did this one for Ottawa. Um, just, you know, the general public seems to like these kind of more cartoon. You know, ish ones, um, just to show where uh, the incidents are happening and what what the issues are. And it's and it's always interesting when we make a hotspot map. Um, cyclists or you know, or people who who bike a lot will be, oh yeah, of course, that's a terrible spot. You know, they it's it's like it's reaffirming to them. But then sometimes you share this with municipalities or or you know, or trails people, and and they'll say, oh really? I you know, that's surprising. And you think. Oh, okay, you know, so I think it's, you know, these hotspot maps are important. Sometimes municipalities actually don't know where the the problems are, even though you as a cyclist really know. So some of the benefits of bike maps that I think is that cyclists can be proactive in making their environment safer. So, you know, when you've had that frustrating near miss, uh, you can actually do something about it. Um, And it's... You know, it's easy to use, it's single point, and it's immediate. So, as opposed to sometimes insurance data that we don't get for years, or police data that you have to really, you know, go to great lengths to, you know, acquire, um, you can find out right away if somebody's had a problem somewhere. It provides data for municipalities to support their planning and then their surveillance. So, if a municipality puts in a new bike lane somewhere, Maybe it needs some tweaks, right? Maybe there is an intersection that could use something else. It's not working as well as it could, right? And so I think that's an important piece. You know, it's it's hard to plan um, bike infrastructure and get it right the very first time. So by using something like bike maps, we can, you know, they can tweak it. They can keep an eye on what cyclists are reporting, what issues they're reporting, and they can um, use that information. And then in in a larger sense, Bike Maps provides data for research on cycling safety and public health. You know, we keep showing that there's very few, you know, fewer women are out biking. Um, And so maybe, you know, we do ask questions on, on comfort and safety, you know, after somebody's had an incident on the map. Maybe this provides a bit of information of why there are fewer women cycling, or how do we get more women cycling, or how do we get more people in this age group cycling. And so the plans for Lethbridge are to, obviously, encourage more people to use bikemaps.org. Um, and this would be through events such as the Dragon Boat Festival this weekend, and then social media, and anything else that <laughs> Tyler <laughs> and Keith come up with and Peter. Um, and then hopefully we have enough data um, to create a hotspot map um, when things calm down in the fall and winter. and. Uh, It'd be great to get our hands on some of the official data too. I, I guess it would be the city that's collecting it. Yeah, we could we can combine them all and, and if anybody's got any ridership data around here as well. Um, and then, you know, once we do have some hotspot maps that are made, we can make data products that you could share with the general public. And then we'd you know, like to continue to work with BikeBridge and this, you know, the city to monitor reports, you know, if something comes up on the website, you know, that's that needs to be flagged immediately, you know, like, or maybe, uh, you know, every city is a bit different and maybe there's, um, they'll become a way that, you know, that, that will work specific for, for Lethbridge and we're happy to be a bit flexible in that sense. And then I think for Lethbridge too, I really want to stress the, the benefit of reporting near misses. so because Lethbridge is a smaller area and maybe there's not a huge number of people biking it's really important to collect all data so if we get people reporting near misses we don't it's not like you know in Toronto or Vancouver where you, there's just such a huge volume of actual reports you start to really see the hot spots but because there's you know maybe fewer people cycling in Lethbridge and there's not a great population if we collect some of this near miss data it's more data points and we can start to really you know, show the city which which spots really need to be addressed sooner rather than later. And then, how you can how can you make cycling safer in Lethbridge? Well, the first thing is to support Bike Bridge because they're doing uh, an amazing job. And places that get bike infrastructure have really good bike cycling advocacy groups. It doesn't happen by by accident, even though. Um, you know, governments and municipalities want to see more active transportation. It really does take grassroots organizations to to get things, uh, to, you know, to put some pressure on. And you ride your bike more, make cycling safer by having more people out there. Um, just I think for people who don't bike, the more people they see out biking, it becomes more normal and they stop thinking of it as, you know, those damn cyclists. It was, it's just it's just a way for to get from A to B, or it's just a pastime, right? Um, and do report any incidents, near misses, or hazards on bike maps. Um, and if you're thinking, oh, is this a hazard? Is this a near-miss, you know, really ask yourself, did I almost have an incident? And if that's the case, if you're I would report it as a near miss if at all possible. Um, and then share this information with uh, your friends or on social media. Um, Just to let more people know about bike maps and then um, and we're happy to hear any feedback from you as well Like maybe you have some ideas or you know um, There's always ways to improve and I I can't promise we'll do it right away, but uh, you know, we do like to hear from people Oh, and I was just going to show this this is uh, we got a hub is the really large network of uh, cycling advocacy in Vancouver. So this is Moreno who runs our Vancouver arm and we got the Bicycle Innovation Award for 2017. So we're very, yeah, so we're very proud of that. And then this is uh, the larger team. And then our uh, partners with Turf. And then these are Ben and Taylor who Gone on to uh, greener pastures. So Thank you.
2: Um, Karen, temporary hazards, are they worth reporting? And what I have in mind are uh, garage sales on Fridays <laughs> and Saturdays. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, I, I don't know about I mean, if they're a persistent garage sale or a common garage sale, yet yeah, then maybe um, you can. I mean, maybe this is a Lethbridge specific thing, right? Maybe you alerting that there's a garage sale on this street will tell, you know, let Peter know that, oh, I'm going to avoid that area, you know, or... Yeah, I mean, part of it too is it can become a bit of a, you know, a living map. Like, we've got it now that the hazards will expire um, so it's not going to be on there forever, so if you want to put a garage sale on, you can. Maybe that's something that will become a Lethbridge specific thing. It's what's the,
0: like on the hazard, what's the light, expect, light Yeah,
1: it it's, well that, that, I think it would go under others, so it would be on there for at least a year, so it's a long time. Well, like short-term world. Yeah, that's less. It's I think it's six months for that. Or, or uh, I, it's hard because we we've been tweaking the the hazards, but um, we can you can let us know when it's up, cleared up too, and we can turn it off. So could we go back and that? um, that's something we've always wanted to do. We just haven't figured out a good way to do that because we everything is anonymous. It's hard to get in. We could have a super user. Maybe we give somebody a super user status in Lethbridge, and they can turn things off. Yeah, yeah. that's a possibility to consider as well. So, yeah.
3: Do you want to have a, a definite uh, term or length of time for these incidents to stay on the map? But because you don't want to have too many piled up at one place, or because if it, it disappears. One
1: summer and the next summer. Well, the only oh, so the 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 near misses and collisions don't disappear, oh,
3: they
1: but the hazards do because uh-huh. we just don't know it's hard to keep track if they're still there. And then they, yeah, they kind of, they, yeah, they become obsolete. Okay. So, we're, yeah.
3: So, when you click on that area, there'll be a list of 20 or 10 or whatever, the years of all the different near misses or, or accidents. Yes, yeah.
1: So that's another reason if you're not sure if it's near miss or a hazard, you know, um air to the side of near miss, I think, if at all possible.
2: You might have mentioned it the opening. but if I were a pedestrian on a multi-use trail, except
3: point information
1: on. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, and I didn't mention it, but you can report As the non-cyclist or somebody who wasn't even involved in the incident. So um, because the apps are a little bit out of date, you can't, I mean, you can put it in the description and just say I wasn't the cyclist. Um, But on the website, there's a mechanism to um, put on there that you're basically a uh, third party or you're the pedestrian. So and yeah, no, that's great. And it's same, you know, if you're just if you happen to be driving somewhere and you see you know, a, a cyclist almost, you know, get schmucked, you could put that on as well. Yeah, so. that
0: was, uh, I was just going to ask you, did you get in other cities like Victoria um, and Vancouver Edmonton, um, see many kind of like, I guess I would call them witness reports? That kind of uh, thing?
1: We don't get a lot, we do get a few though, mm-hmm. yeah. That's good to know. yeah, 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 because sometimes, you know, I I mean, I've seen it myself and actually put it on myself, I and it, I think sometimes, the person on the bike may not even know that they almost got hit, right? Yes. So,
3: which were the countries that have the most obesity and the highest bike
1: usage? Um, I think it would be in, yeah, in the Netherlands and Denmark, and yeah, those
3: places. <laughs> um, I'll add to the knowledge about women not biking as much. I know my daughter had great plans to bike in Edmonton, but she has to wear a dress and she has to look good and doesn't want to mess her hair up and she's a supervisor and blah blah blah. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's probably part of it, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask just about um, uh,
0: so cities that you've kind of. You maintained ongoing relationships with folks in those municipalities, like from uh, you know urban planning or transportation department kind of things. Like I'm just wondering, I guess, about like kind of the long term um, relationship and impact of the Bike Maps project in those cities. And this is more me asking, yeah. like, okay, two years from now, what have, what would we imagine Bike Maps? gather data and still trying to uh, be like oh it was a one and done thing like, yeah, yeah we got some data and maybe data did a couple things and then it's over but to say like this is an ongoing thing that we need to sustain indefinitely yeah. to continuously improve cycling safety not just reach a milestone and then say good job it's slightly safer but <laughs> yeah no
1: that's a good point and we definitely have intentions of, of sticking around you know so um, yeah, no, we we, we do want to continuously, you know, um, add to the information and I think the fact, you know, um, so Trislyn who's at ASU, she just, she's got a uh, postdoc who's starting in the fall and he's going to be working on bike maps related stuff. So there's, you know, we still have funding from this project until, uh, into 2019. So yeah, there are, you know, you can't predict. The future forever, but you know, there are there, we have no plans of, of stopping this anytime soon. So,
0: I, I guess my question was more so in the other cities you've worked with, yeah, like what has been a good way to keep not necessarily the cycling community engaged, but the decision makers engaged? Well, with that data once you're presenting it,
1: right? Um, so we actually haven't been at it that long, so I think, um, uh, you know, we do have great working relationships with. Victoria and Saanich and uh, Vancouver and Ottawa. So we're still, you know, working back and forth with them. Obviously, um, obvious you know, Saanich they yeah, we have plans to upgrade their this the active or sorry, the hotspot map that we made for them last summer. We have plans to do it again over the fall and winter to, you know, um, see if there's been some changes, you know. Because in a, a few of the spots, they've actually, you know, in addition to that one I showed, there's been a couple other places where they've already upgraded. Okay, yeah. yeah, and so we do have plans to keep that conversation going. So, and, it, it, and it's great, too, because it provides um, students with a, a chance to, you know, to learn how to do the, pro, you know, bits of the project or do some spatial analysis. So, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. And uh, sorry just to interject, I, why, I, why I really like this is I think it's, Bike bridge, additional leverage/slash motivation to like you know, transportation and planning departments because it's not just the local cyclists whining about it. Yeah. It's uh, you know a, a well-regarded university-funded academic study that's helping us gather the data to say it's not just us saying we want bike lanes. Yeah. It's, you know, <laughs> there's additional uh, leverage.
1: Well and I think too, you know, sometimes you know, cities put bike lanes in dumb places, you know. <laughs> yeah, like are. in Edmonton they did that and, and then they took them out, you know. So, you know, I think it's important that you know decisions are made based on on, on data and not just you know, oh yeah, a whim. So would bike
2: map feel comfortable receiving
1: I don't know, um, you know, maybe that's something we, we pursue down the road a little bit, uh, you know, right, I, I'm not sure, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, close the door on it right now, but right now we're, we're just funded through, you know, grants that are, you know, yeah, it kind of changes things, right, so we don't, we don't, yeah, we don't have to do that yet, so <laughs> we'll see.
0: <laughs>
2: Um, I was wondering, like, in terms of when somebody actually does submit a report, uh, let's say somebody's out cycling but they don't have their device with them, mm-hmm. uh, like they're at home maybe a couple hours later, a few hours afterwards, will it be time stamped at the time they make the report or can they select the time? No,
1: you can select the time. And in fact, we find, I think, so we looked at um, for Victoria and only 6% of people reported within half an hour. So most people actually kind of, especially if it's been something that's been stressful, you kind of, you know, you're kind of shooken up and you're kind of, you kind of process it and then you go home and you're like, oh, then you think, oh, I'm going to report that, right? So sometimes there's time that goes by and we actually allow up to two years historical reporting. So if you, like, if you've just been made aware of bike maps today and you think, I want to report that time you know, last spring that this happened, we can still do that. So, yeah. So most people do take some time. So you, yeah, you just choose the the day of the hour. Okay, that's assuming that you can remember
2: two years back. Yeah, the, the two years. Time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, I think now, you know, only when we come into a new center do you find a lot of the historical reporting, just because people have stuff saved up, maybe, but yeah.
2: Um, the reporting
1: of thefts, has that been used very much? No, not, well, there's a few places that people have gone crazy reporting thefts, and that's um, in Windsor, and then in Calgary this spring. Somebody went on and just started, had all these thefts they put on, and I'm not sure why, but if. It's
2: the same if,
1: person or well, Oh, it's hard to know, but I'm assuming it's the same person because they, it is a real, they, they did it over a period of time, so the, the number of thefts went up, but. You know, at first I was kind of concerned, but then I thought, you know what, if, if somebody wants this to be their, their place to tell people this is where the thefts have occurred, then that's fine, right? It's almost like, you know, we do have a bit of an open source, feel. like we're not open source, but, you know, I think there is that kind of feel to it, you know, that this is a community map in a sense, and if this is important for you to get out that you want to put this on here, then that's fine. We have... You know, So there is this other project called Project 529 and, and you know we would like to link up with them at some point. We've had people suggest we link in with them. They, we haven't been very successful at reaching them yet. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar with 529, but what it is, it's a place where... So what happens is when police recover a whole bunch of stolen bikes, they don't know whose they are and they can't get them back. So places like Vancouver... End up with warehouses full of bikes, and then they put them on police auction. Um, so it's just a bit more of a streamlined approach to having a registration system for your bike. And so, you know, you, you register your bike, and they 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 put it on there. So um, so when police recover bikes, which they recover an awful lot of them, that there's a mechanism to get them back to the owner. So. So www. It's called. I you'd have to Google it, but I think it's it, you just look up Project Five Two Nine. So, but what what you need is your local police to be a part of of the Project Five Two Nine. So, because they yeah, but there's some places that have really started to embrace it, like Vancouver and and Kelowna was looking at it as well. Oh,
2: do you? My last one was maybe, maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm.
3: You know, Yeah.
2: fee from
1: the site no I don't think so I'm, I'm not sure I, yeah I just I, I just think you know we're we're not using our, our theft you know our, as I said we put it there because we could and it's been underutilized um, so it's sort of a natural fit if we somehow link in with them um, in one of our in one of our locations that we're you know working in. Um, so, but I don't, I, yeah, I'm not sure how that, what their business model is or how they actually, because they actually, they actually have a business model. They're not, like, they're an actual company.
2: Any other questions? Oh, um, I was wondering whether there's any way to somehow uh, differentiate in severity of, say, uh, a collision report. Uh, such that there might be more waiting for somebody who's seriously injured uh, or killed, right, over just somebody who's kind of tapped by uh, something.
1: Well, so I, you know, I've thought about this a lot over the years, and I, I think the thing is, if it's, if it's, those really severe ones are going to be captured officially, almost you know, like a hundred percent of the time, right. So we'll get all of those, right, like if we're using official, if we're combining the official data with the bike maps data. So we'll get 100% of those and we'll get, you know, less of the up, the lesser ones. So
0: and, with, and with bike maps, you can also report, um, like, so if it was a collision, you can report, it was a collision and I went home and I was fine,
3: or you can say it was a collision
0: and I had to go see the doctor, or it was a collision and I had to be taken to the hospital by an ambulance, so, mm-hmm. there was one of the slides you had that kind of showed it it, it it doesn't necessarily give more weight to it, but it indicates the severity of collisions by kind of giving them a. You can break down and see, okay, 8% of the collisions in Lethbridge over an annual period required hospitalization, 20% required a doctor, and mm-hmm. 70% required medical service. So, it does, it kind of does track the severity, but.
1: Yeah, and I think, too, um, you know, like it, what, what's the difference between somebody uh, being, you know, hit and, and somebody being almost hit? Like, it, it, the, the, you know, it's the um, chances are the infrastructure is the same that, that led to the, to the incident. So it just, the reaction maybe was a bit quicker on the driver, the cyclist.
0: That, you know or there's like potential I guess like other variables of like you get hit by a car and you have a helmet you maybe go see a doctor you get hit by a car and you don't have a helmet maybe you don't make it like there's other kind of variables I guess in play there too which it's kind of like any accident is severe yeah <laughs> and you want to try to everything to avoid it whether it's you just get a scrape or you get a broken knee kind of thing
1: yeah and it's and again it's I think it's about you know, pinpointing those locations and what's yep. leading to that 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 problem, right? So instead of yeah,
2: I if you, again, you can ask as many as yeah. you'd like. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was curious, like in terms of the overall uh, size and scope of the, the site, like in terms of how you might define appreciable. But how many cities in Canada? Worldwide,
3: would you say have an appreciable uptake of this um, Oh, and I took that
1: I took that slide out because it was out of date. Um, so, yeah. So the, the, the big cities in Canada that are mapping is Vancouver, Victoria, or Victoria area. And we had some initially in Calgary, like when we first started, just sort of organically. So Calgary, Edmonton, Lethbridge, got some in Kelowna now. Um, in the KW area, um, and then Ottawa we've got a lot, um, and then in the US we've got a bunch of pockets. Um, so the Tempe Phoenix area, and then there's a group promoting us in Redding, California. So they're a pretty small area, but they they had a number of reports. And then we have Iceland, and then we've got some in the UK now. Um, you know, we get interest kind of from all over, so it's just a matter. We really, you really need to have people on the ground promoting it to to get it to take off. So um, that's kind of an, yeah. You can look on the map too to see where the where where the little pockets are. But um, yeah, I don't yeah, I don't know if I've answered your question fully or not. Well, <laughs> well maybe it's hard to answer.
2: Yeah. It like it's. it's uh, yeah, exactly. It's organic. Exactly what it is at this point in time. Yeah,
1: yeah, and yeah. Are you, in order to, to do any meaningful research, you have to have a number of you know a decent number of, of points, and and then somebody who's who's interested in that area too, who wants to know. So, but but generally,
2: we're, like colleagues and calculations on data, like say, statistically, Canadian data versus data.
1: Um, we haven't we haven't really looked at, done anything with the full scope but yeah, I think that would be you know wise to to keep it separate for now but uh, I think with Trislin's um, um, postdoc starting up there'll be some more of those you know global um, yeah trends that we'll try to
3: to look at so
0: It'd be interesting to see the difference in data between a really safe city like in the Netherlands mm-hmm. compared to
3: like yeah, yeah. I think ultimately, what I think, I'm born and raised in Holland. Yeah. Um, and didn't come to Canada until later in my life. Yeah. There's an, an attitude shift that needs to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Mean, there seems to be an attitude in 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 some of the cities that you mentioned that 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 are safe that are quote unquote safer cycling cities about the value of, of, of life. Yeah. Right? And I think here in Lethbridge, particularly, but North America in general, it's much more about the dollar. So when we make policies, the policies are much more about dollar spending than they are about quality of life or safety mm-hmm. or, right? And it's a value shift. And I'm not sure how a project like this would address that value shift. Another value shift in Lethbridge is very much about the dollar hmm. and very little about, you know, I mean, we have city councilors who say that, for example, public transportation is a lifestyle choice, right? That's publicly <laughs> That was publicly said yeah. that it's a lifestyle choice to take public transportation. So why then does city council not you know, put money towards public transportation. Well, that's the sort of mind shift that we have here. Right. And I don't know how to change that kind of mind shift. Yeah. Right? But, I I mean, it's it's almost like, yeah, we need to think differently about how we make policy, (laughs) right? And we need to shift our values in order to make this city or you know, uh, majority of cities in North America are more. Uh, it's almost as uh, specifically, leverage, I think we're, we're really struggling against that mindset hmm. of value. Like and and, and it it always comes back down to the tax dollar. Although we pay just as much taxes as other cities that actually have some of these really unique, really wonderful things. Right. Yeah,
1: I, 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 I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> yeah, if no, I did, it's I. It's so really a question. No, oh, I know. Rant. Yeah, I <laughs> know, no, that's okay. Rant, <laughs> ranting's allowed. <Yeah. laughs>
2: oh. um, I was wondering with the uh, website uh, in terms of how it's set up and how it might be positioned for future growth. Um, I, I don't know if you're at liberty to say or not, specific specifics, but whether. Like one server in one location, or whether you've got copies in multiple locations, and or like say when you log in, do you log in securely, or is it sort of an unsecure connection?
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty secure. Yeah, I don't, I can't. Uh, we are, yeah, we are looking to uh, we're moving it to uh, to a cloud based server. So I think those are, you know, in the end, okay. they're a bit more secure. So um, no, when we, we first started, we had an older server, and then we changed it, and it was fine, so, um, yeah, and right now we've, um, we you know, we have had glitches along the way, you know, when when they change different security c- certificates, right, and all of a sudden it's like, ah, but, uh, yeah, they are, the people who have been responsible for our tech stuff and our development have been really great at addressing those, so. Yeah, we you know you do hit little bumps along the way. They <laughs> people surprise you.
3: So this isn't set up for the yet. Well, it is. Yeah, it, it is.
0: is. Yeah, and there is. there's already uh, yeah, like 45. Reports yeah. On. Oh, well, so essentially, it's you can think of it kind of like Google Maps, mm-hmm. is in that all of the world exists on bike maps.org. Mm-hmm. It's just up to cyclists and individuals to populate the Lethbridge region, mm-hmm. with information. So, so you can... do
2: Google Maps, you just put in the address, and then it'll take you there.
0: Or uh, do you so have to go
2: into Lethbridge.
0: Basically, you can zoom in on wherever you want to, to look at. So you could use bike maps if you were on vacation in Victoria. Mm-hmm. You could make reports there. You could make reports if you were in London, England, or in Maybe. anywhere in the world, essentially, right now. So it's just a, a blank canvas, essentially. You to say something happened here
1: and I know where I am right now or I know where I was when it happened, okay. and then you can place
3: the data on that in drop. operates like Google Maps. Very it's similar, pretty yeah.
1: similar, yeah. yeah. And so what you can do too is if you are in a new place or you're not sure where people bike, um, if you go on bike maps, because we have the Strava graphics on there, so those are those orange lines, um, that's based on people's where they've where they bike. so if you don't know like oh we're, you know which road should i take i've never been here before you can just see where the orange line where the orange line is brightest because that'll tell you well this is where most of the cyclists go so that's a useful thing in an unfamiliar area and then if you're going somewhere new and you want to plan your route well you could kind of look and see where other people have reported and just to get a sense of the nature of those reports like oh this seems like you know it's pretty straightforward except for this intersection, I'll, you know, just I'll be careful here, you know, it seems like there's some you know, few right hooks been happening here or this is a bad door zone
0: or something.
3: Okay. great. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, just thanks again everyone for mm-hmm. coming. So as you can see, bike is a place you can find this map and you can also download it for mobile device um, as an app. Mm-hmm. um and thanks as well to SACPA for hosting this session tonight and uh, for more information on bike bridge you can visit bikebridge.ca and, or you can find our Facebook group which is just Bridge Cycling Association so, yeah thanks again everyone for coming. Thank <laughs> you Thanks Kara. Thanks,